We are continuing to unpack the prophetic scriptures using the book of Revelation as the template. Now, there are those who think that the book of Revelation, by and large, uh, has been fulfilled. Um, I will point out that this is, this is folly beyond uh, ordinary foolishness because internal to the book, and we have been looking in chapters like Revelation 9, Revelation 10, where he, the writer John is saying, the mystery of God is about to be fulfilled. Now, Paul, when he speaks of the mysteries of God, uh, included in them uh, such things as, in Ephesians 3, uh, the, the revelation that God was establishing uh, a kingdom in the earth comprised of people of every tribe, tongue, language and nation, and that the fullness of that would reach an apogee uh, which would include both uh, the Gentiles being received into the kingdom from all the nations of the earth, as well as a remnant of Jews uh, at the end, at the very end of the age, not the initial remnant of the Jews who received the good news on the day of Pentecost and concerning whom there was a follow-up and a follow-on until Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. After that, and for the ensuing nearly two centuries, two millennia, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God has been primarily a Gentile phenomenon. But the Bible speaks of the conclusion of the age and the gathering back of both Jew and Gentile into this one new man. This is one of the mysteries of God that had been hidden for long ages past and designed to be uh, to the fulfillment of which was to start in the first century but to be concluded prior to the return of the Lord. And in fact, when you look at the sequences of the book of Revelation, it very much is talking about how the age concludes, the end of the age concluding with the return of the Lord as does the book of Revelation. So no, it's a silly notion that uh, the book of Revelation has been completed by, uh, by the fall, either by the fall of Jerusalem or by the death of John in, in, in the New Testament period of 85 uh, to 91 AD, more or less at the time when, uh, when the book of Revelation was written. Once you move beyond the covers of the book, uh, if you're saying that it's not fulfilled within the covers of the book, then you are also admitting that the relevance of it continues as long as mankind continues and, up, and, and the conclusion of which uh, time of man on the earth will be with the return of the Lord. Uh, it's impossible to conceive 
that all scripture has been by and large fulfilled, all prophetic scripture has been by and large fulfilled um, by 2,000 years ago. Then indeed we're just walking in darkness until now. And, And in the most critical times when things are falling apart, when the opposition to the saints is codified in the form of a global kingdom that oppresses the saints, that somehow uh, there is no light, no prophetic light by which we may walk. All of that's nonsense. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's a scheme of the devil to leave the people of God in darkness at the, the most critical time in their movement toward being revealed as the Zion or the perfection of beauty of the house of God. Such a matter, such a thought is inconceivable that God would actually leave us to flounder. Now it's in the absence of a clear understanding of the prophetic pathways of Scripture that we see the folly of the rapture being such an appealing thing to people because if you don't know what's going to happen, if you don't know how things are going to unpack, then the rapture is your your ticket out of here. The rapture is a silly doctrine but also it's a malignant doctrine in good measure because it leaves the story abruptly. If you understand the flow of Scripture, what God began in the beginning will be concluded in the end and it will be concluded as it was begun on the earth, on the earth. Heaven is not the venue in which the saints are to become mature, it's the earth. God established the earth so that and, 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 and formed man out of the Adama the dust of the earth, uh, and called him Adam and decreed that such a man was the first of what would become a spiritual man in the image and likeness of God Himself. Now if heaven is the finishing school of that, then why why establish this whole matter on the earth in the first place? the earth will see the glory of God. And indeed, if this were a matter for heaven, why did Jesus need to come out of heaven and model on the earth the picture in His own person, in His own body of the fullness of the Godhead resident in a human form? Because look, by the time anyone dies, The act of death is that in which you give up any connection to your human existence. So there will not be a man in the image and likeness of God in the fashion of Christ on the earth if heaven is the finishing school. No, it has to happen here. Likewise, the competing trend is that of the opposition to everything God is doing. And just as surely as the things of God, what God is doing, 
to produce a man in the image and likeness of God, just as surely as that will happen. And in fact, that's the signal for the conclusion of the age. Just as surely the opposition to it will reach its perfect and complete expression. And that's what the book of Revelation very much is about. It tells us about the culmination of these two principal objectives. Now, as we get ready to look at the book of Revelation, the 11th chapter, we see once again this, uh, this matter of the, of the perfected body of Christ, the man in the image and likeness of God. We see that being, in a sense, certified before uh, the final outpourings of, uh, of the judgments of God against uh, the depraved humanity and we see the opposition to it forming in the earth. And then in chapters 12 and 13, we see the complete rollout of the opposition to this in the earth. So uh, let me go forward and read uh, those portions of Revelation 11 that I intend to comment on. John says, then I, so John then, was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Then uh, let's, let's go forward and look a little bit more. These are the two olive trees. I'm sorry, let's go back just a, step, a bit. Yes, these are the two olive trees, he says, and the two lampstands. I'm still getting used to using these, uh, these uh, electronic devices. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, so the two witnesses are alternatively referred to as two olive trees, two lampstands, standing before the God of earth, of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If, if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner, fire coming out of the mouth that is. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. 
and they have power over waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, so they'll do it for three and a half years, when they finish their testimony, the beast ascends out of the bottomless pit, will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That's interesting, isn't it? Because our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem, but the location is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, indicating, of course, uh, Sodom being where uh, Lot uh, was and was extracted, Egypt being where the children of Israel were and were extracted. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended up to heaven from outside of the city of Jerusalem to the east on the Mount of Olives. But to go on, verse 9, then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days, so three and a half days, three and a half years, Jesus was in the tomb uh, three days, and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of God, the breath of life from God, entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. Again, Jesus Himself ascended to heaven and a cloud received Him out of their sight. They ascended into heaven in a cloud and the enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake. Similar thing happened when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Uh, same hour, there was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, or 7,000, 7 is that number of completeness, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. <clears throat> Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. All right, so I'll stop there because this, just what we have read, will consume at least five broadcasts to unpack. One of the mistakes that people routinely make in reading and commenting on the book of Revelation is they do so without reference to the rest of the prophetic scriptures. 
both shockingly and surprisingly, everything that we have just read has some form of an antecedent in the Scriptures. So let's begin. I was given a rod or a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And the next thing is, and I will give to my two witnesses uh, power and they will prophesy. This first piece alone is a tremendous reference to well-established prophetic scripture and has meanings on multiple levels. Come with me, if you would please, to as I begin to unpack um, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 40. In fact, I, I might say to you, it's the book of Ezekiel 40 through 47. And I recommend that to you. Now, note this. In the 25th year of our captivity. What does that tell you? That Israel had been removed from the land of Israel, had taken and been taken into captivity in Babylon. Now one of the things that happened when Israel had been taken into captivity into Babylon was that the temple was destroyed. So it's very clear. The temple had not even been recently destroyed, been destroyed for like 25 years, quarter of a century. In the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month in the 14th year after the city had been captured, on the, on the very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he took me there. Now, by the way, there's no contradiction between uh, where it says in the 14th year after the city was captured and in the 25th year of our captivity because there were two waves of captives taken at a, at a time that was about 10 or 11 years apart. That's how they were taken into Babylonian captivity. And the, the temple had been destroyed uh, at, at a, some point during these, uh, these raids upon Israel by the Babylonians. So the temple would have been destroyed by uh, at least 14 years, but possibly 25 years. After the city was captured, on the same day the hand of the Lord was upon me and took me there. In the visions of God, He took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain 
on it toward the south was something like the structure of the city. So it's clear this is a vision. Uh, uh, Ezekiel is still in the country of Babylon. He's among the captives by the river Chabah. We know that from the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Took me up there and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. That's a similar reference to uh, the man above the waters in the book of Daniel um, and also in the book of Ezekiel. And it's like uh, Jesus appearing uh, to John on the island of Patmos uh, in the book of Revelation, the first chapter. Um, A man whose appearance was like uh, bronze. So it's, it's, a, it's clear prophetic symbolism to divine personages who are on missions that are being recorded in prophetic scripture. The very essence of, the, of how prophetic scripture is written and how it's, how it's imparted, how it's written. It tells us that you must have the Spirit of God who represents the Lord Jesus Christ, whose spirit is the spirit of prophecy. So you cannot understand these things linearly. They must be understood by revelation. You cannot pull these things apart in the way you normally exegete things and use reason to come to any conclusion. You have to be shown. See, revelation is greater than reason. Revelation is the alternative to reason when you're understanding the scriptures. Otherwise, you're compelled to understand them domestically and you will be wrong from the beginning. Now, the appeal of uh, interpreting the scriptures logically is that the unschooled mind, the unspiritual mind, can grasp a domestic understanding of the scriptures. And here let me say, let me be very direct, we have had a flood of false prophets and false prophecies lately. There's been an overwhelming flood of false prophecies that have, and and it's been a a train of false prophecies and of false prophets picked up by and administered to the local congregations by false pastors and a spirit of delusion has come upon the church. It's not enough for these men, high profile and low profile alike. It's not enough for them to say, oops, I'm sorry, I miss God. It is because of them and their mishandling of prophetic scripture and misinterpretation of Scripture that this deep 
an abiding delusion has come upon the religious minds of this nation which in turn has influenced the world. And what is lost in it is the value of the prophetic scriptures to stabilize and settle the feet of the people of God in a time when the world on which the ground on which they're standing is shaking. So, no, this is no small matter. There has to be an arrest to this debauchery that has played right into the hands of the enemy. In fact, it was inspired by the enemy. And that's why so many, so many could have been so easily swept up in these things which will result in a tremendous blast against the church. These people will have invited the persecution that they've so long talked about. The church hadn't been persecuted, but they've acted as if it has been because it sells. But now, now, the danger of that deception, the danger of that delusion threatens nations. And I'm telling you, the persecution is going to come now, the real persecution, not the imagined one. The real persecution is going to come fast and furious. That is why God is about to measure the temple of God. Now, might I say that the measuring of the temple of God was already prophesied in the vision of Ezekiel. Here he's measuring a temple that does not exist or that had been destroyed. So in type and shadow he's prophesying the measurement not of the temple in Jerusalem, although uh, for prophetic purposes and for purposes of vision, he's taken to Jerusalem. He's prophesying about something else. He's prophesying the house of God and the order of the house of God being restored, a type and shadow of which is the city of Jerusalem, uh, is the temple in Jerusalem. So he says, and I'll conclude this with this, he said, He took me there, verse 3, and behold there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. He had a line of flax, in other words a string made out of flax, and a measuring rod in his hand, and looked and stood in the gateway, and the man said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and fix your mind on everything I will show you. Declare the house of, to the house of Israel everything that you see. And he proceeds to say, in later on in the chapters that I've outlined, Son of man, show the house to the house. In other words, my purpose is for you to reveal the perfect 
house to the dwellers within the house. And in that capacity, John said, I was given a measuring rod and the angel said, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. I want to unpack that as soon as we get back. I'm Sam Solon, I'll see you then. Bye-bye.